Community and welcome to the Jock Reynolds podcast. I'm Lek Dog. I'm joined by my main man Foz, and we're going to be looking at all things round five and looking ahead to round six, which looks like it's going to be an exciting round, Foz, because it's almost upgrade season. Yeah, it is. It, it almost is. I'm I'm excited to to start spending that cash that those rookies have generated and and trying to better my team because we haven't my my side hasn't done too well yet. So I'm excited to to start to improve it. That's a very exciting, very exciting for things on the website as well. Shout out to Telebeats for the intro music that you've just heard on the website. We have had so much action. We've got the Mailbag Podcast details in the description. Make sure you get your questions in for Wednesday's Mailbag Podcast with Clarky, Damo, and special guest Damo. And Foz, your bloody panic room has been going off, mate. Thousands of comments a week. It's going nuts in there. Yeah, everyone's jumping on board and panicking together, which is always, which is always nice. And you know, some team selection news goes up there, injuries, break evens, bit of captaincy as well. So, plenty of content jam packed on your now. Now it'll be Friday afternoons because there's no more Thursday games for a little while. Thank goodness for us, which is one less day to have to worry about our teams. And of course, if you're listening, we all know you're reading Barron's Around the Grounds articles. Every single rookie price player at every level of the game getting analysed there and plenty of VFL action to dissect this week. And of course, the cheat sheet by the Statman drops as well. It's a huge week, but let's get into the news at hand. Foz, I think the number one thing people want to talk about could the real Lockie Neal please stand up? Well, on the weekend, he pumped out a monster score. He pumped out a 157 Foz. He dropped money with a 157 to $580,000. He's lost 142 grand for the year. Is this the real Lockie Neal? Well, it's very promising that he can come out and, and still pump out these scores. Obviously, a lot of a lot of super coaches jumped off him uh, early in the season when he was scoring quite poorly. Um, Fagan came out and said that um, he had, you know suffered that injury. He was couldn't train properly during the week, but then he, obviously his back had gotten better, um, and he managed a full uh, full week of of training and didn't miss any sessions, which is really promising. And then he's obviously come out and and had his biggest score by about 60, 70 points. So now his break even's dropped. He's obviously dropped in price again, and at five hundred and eighty k. He's probably the cheapest he's going to be for a long time. So hopefully he can turn that around, start scoring those 130s, 140s that we've grown to love with Lockie. And um, and hopefully, yeah, just, just get back to that uber premium level that he used to be. For, no, for non-owners, it's a, it's a glorious week to see Lockie, Lockie Neal priced at 580k. He's got a break-even of 98, which he's only hit once and it was on the weekend with a 157. He's got the Ed Kerno tag coming this week, although if I was the Blues, I'd be tagging a different line, but we will talk about him in a second. So you might be able to wait a week if you're a non-owner. I don't think his price is going to skyrocket, even with another 157. It'll go up, but he'll still be much cheaper than he was. If you're someone who had traded him out prior to price changes, Foz, can you justify bringing this man in? Is there any reason to bring him this in, or is this uh, an anomaly in the year 2021? No, I think he can justify it. He's obviously dipped around, what was it, about 150, 200K, 141K. So he's dipped a fair bit. Um, if you had sideways traded him to another premium, you're only really spending in one upgrade trade to get him in and then obviously a downgrade trade for someone else to generate that cash. So it's not like you're trading three or four times to, to get him in. Um, you're still upgrading another position that you would have upgraded later in the season. Um, so I don't mind you if you've traded him out, saved 140K and then trading him back in at a cheaper price. It doesn't matter too much. Um, but hopefully, yeah, he starts to find that form and starts to generate uh, those points that we're, we're after. Obviously, he, he finally came out with a good score. You're obviously a bit nervous watching him and, and hoping that that back's okay, but he looked fine on the weekend. He, he looked like his old self. So hopefully that's just a sign of things to come. 
Look, I'm inclined myself maybe to watch him for one more week before I jump on, give those rookies an extra week to get some cash, make up any difference that happens. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that you're right. I'm hopeful that these back issues are gone. But having said that, he was playing Essendon. But then again, he's playing Carlton this week. So he could score another 160 points. I'm, um, yeah, I'd, look, it's lucky, Neil. I'd feel pretty comfortable trading you in. I'm personally going to wait a week. But let's talk about, well, let's talk about our trade targets, Foz, because people seem to be interested in who we're looking at targeting and uh, how we're tracking this season. I'm doing okay. Um, dropped a fair few thousand ranks over the last few weeks, but I'm, I'm going to be targeting Lucky Neil's teammate this week. I'm going to be targeting Jared Lyons, who quietly having a very, very good year. He certainly is. He's obviously stepped up in the absence of a dominant Lockie Neal and and over the last few seasons has built himself up to be a bit of a, a bit of a pod selection, but an, a premium at that. So mm-hmm. obviously scoring very well again this year. He's only one of a couple of players to have scored a ton every week. Um, and he's in yeah top five t- contention for the end of the season in terms of total points because he just he rarely misses games. He's obviously relatively expensive, just over that 600K mark. Um, but yeah, he's scoring really well. So if you... If you want a relatively consistent scorer, he's one to look at. Yeah, I think he's uh, certainly a more aggressive player than going for someone like a Lockie Neal, and that might make him the wrong play. But if if you're up there in the ranks uh, or you just don't want to touch Lockie Neal, he's only gained 12K this year. He's 613K, hasn't dropped it below 100 points yet. I think he's a, a very good buy. Is there anyone on your radar this week? Uh, I don't know just yet. I'm still tossing up whether I can bring in, bring myself to get in Josh Dunkley at his elevated price. Uh, he's another player who's just scoring tons for fun. Um, and I, for some reason, decided to start without him, thinking that um, Luke Beveridge would chuck him in the forward pocket and leave him there. But it, apparently he's decided to just give him you know, midfield minutes. And even when he's playing on the half-forward flank, he's still scoring well. So he's one I'm trying to get in. Um, but that would cost me, I think, Errol Goulden and Chad Warner to do it. So it's a relatively expensive trade. So Dusty Martin's probably the one on my agenda. That it's one I can sort of trade to, uh, and not have to cough up my best prem- uh, my best rookies. Um, so he's probably the one I'm I'm going to have to go for this week, even though he hasn't scored a ton in his last two games, and he's not as dominant at the moment as he was earlier in the season. Yeah, look, I, I think uh, I think he's going. You know what you're going to get from him. I think he's going to be a top eight total scoring, total point scoring player. As Dustin Martin, he's going to score way less than Josh Dunkley unless things change. And Bedwell's coach, things can change pretty quickly. For the moment, though, <laughs> let's move forward. We'll, we'll look at all the trade targets, all the rookie news in a bit. But the first thing I just want to touch on is some injury news off the top. We've got some some updates on some players, so. The number one man, Jordan Ridley in defense. Obviously, very disappointing for coaches. Cost, cost, <clears throat> very disappointing for coaches. Copped a concussion and he'll miss this week he'll, with the 12-day concussion period or however many days it is. Owners do not trade. Hold the man. He's only going to miss one game. Is Jordan Ridley in your side? He is as of, uh, I think it was... Saturday morning, I brought him in. Um, it was between uh, going Kaczynski to him or it was going Tanner Bruin to Jack McRae. I went Ridley because I wasn't convinced that Cosy would get named. I wanted to avoid the donut. Obviously, I still copped the donut with Jordan Clark and then I copped a 31 instead of 140. So I'm in the absolute, had an absolute mare this weekend. And on top of that, I've got Ridley missing one week, potentially two, if his concussion doesn't clear. Um, but the good news is that Caleb Daniel is still on my bench, so he'll uh, hopefully come in and score okay to just just tidy up my side. But I'm I'm in a, I'm a mess, Lek. I'm a, I'm an absolute mess. I can see the pain in your eyes, Foz. It's uh, it's okay. We're here for you. That's it's a good lesson though. Sometimes trading to avoid the donut, and I'm a culprit of it. I've wasted two trades this year that I probably could have not used and made, you know, 12 points out of it or something. Sometimes maybe trading for the donut isn't the best way to trade. Sometimes I think we just got to trade for the better player. Having said that, we wouldn't be having this discussion if Ridley had not got concussed and had done what he normally does, which is score 120 to 130. So owners, 
hold him. Don't move him on. Dan Houston went down with an injury against the Blues. They've had, I think it was a shoulder from memory. Had the scans. There's no damage. He's a test for this week. So if you traded him in or if you're looking to trade him in, hold. Um, if you got him, hold. If you're looking to trade him in, let's see how he runs out with that shoulder. Dugowie owners, Foz, if you're a Dugowie owner and you're listening to this pod, well, I um, feel sorry for you because we, I mean, I had to say we told you so, but don't pick Jordan Dugowie. It's a pretty simple strategy and it leads people to super coach success a lot of the time. He's out for a while. You've got to trade him, don't you? Yeah, they've said a facial injury as the official report, which was a concussion, probably a broken nose. There's rumors of a, a fractured jaw as well. So he'll miss at least one week with the 12-day concussion protocol uh, period, but he'll also potentially miss two to three extra weeks on top of that just to, to let those bones heal. So if you've got him, I'd trade him. He, he's obviously not scoring that well anyway, so you can probably downgrade to a rookie or you know, if you've got a little bit of cash, upgrade him to someone who's actually scoring okay, but he shouldn't be in your side after this week. Yeah, averaging 54 for the season after the injury-affected score on the weekend. He's a downgrade to maybe a teammate, uh, which we'll talk about a bit later, or an upgrade to maybe someone like a Dane Zorko or a Jack Zebel or someone like that if you don't have him. Uh, it'll cost you about 130 grand to get up to Jack Zebel. Other injury news. Tom Hickey, a lot of people traded him in for Flynn or Meek this week, and he's out with a PCL. Who do we trade him to, Foz? Can you trade him back to Matt Flynn? <laughs> Probably not. Jesus, it sting. Yeah, it, would, it wouldn't be nice. I know Patch made that trade. I think he went Meek to him. So that's a lot of fun for him. Um, I think Clarkie did as well, but the week before that. So if you've got the cash, Gorn Grundy combination never fails. You know, they had that poor round one together, scoring about 150. But since then, both of them have scored 130 plus. I think almost every week, except for um, Grundy with that 90 last week. But both of them are coming out and, and proving why they're the top two rucks. There's no one really within touching distance. So if you can find the extra cash, find the you know couple hundred K to get up to him, um, then that's the move. Um, but otherwise, you've got to sort of make sacrifices and 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 hope you know Meek comes back or hope Flynn comes back. Back in Tracy, not really a good option. I don't think he's not scoring well at all. So, yeah, should just start with Gordon Grundy and just be done with it. I feel bad. I talked Azza into trading in Tom Hickey instead of Sean Darcy. And Sean Darcy scored 105 and Tom Hickey 87 is reasonable, but he also got injured. Um, Sean Darcy's an interesting one. He's averaging 108 over the last three games. And the other guy, Riley O'Brien, 116 over the last three there. Both affordable, gettable from a Tom Hickey without having to ruin your bank. But yes, you're right. Gordon Grundy, you should have picked him back from the start. A couple of other injuries. Lance Franklin will miss this week and maybe an extended period of time. Adam Chera, ankle sprain was subbed. Sounds like he's going to be fine. So hold if you're a... Uh, Adam Chera owner and Jeremy Howe. I'm not even sure what's happened to him. I wasn't able to watch the game Foz, but he he's out and I think it's going to be a trade. Yeah, so he's um, hurt his hamstring in a in a marking contest, landed awkwardly. There was talk initially that it was a knee, but it's a hamstring and he'll miss three to four weeks. So that's another one that's to just to trade. And it's not just injury plagued players that we want to trade Foz. There's other players that if you've avoided the injury carnage, if you're sitting there and it's time to cash in some players, there's a few names I've got on my list. And the first one's Jordan Clark. He was the sub for Geelong on the weekend, didn't get on. I was kind of hoping he was going to get on and score like one point and justify me trading him. But he's 290K. Uh, sorry, he's about 290K. It'll cost you about 290K to get to Lockie Neal. Should Jordan Clark owners jump off? Well, his break-even's only, I think it's 36 this weekend. So if he does come back into the side, there's potential for him to make a bit more coin. But he's also scoring, on average, you know, around the same as Lockie Jones, who's, you know, 150K cheaper and is on the bubble. So you can downgrade, save yourself some cash, and then upgrade elsewhere. That's what I'm looking at doing this week, especially considering his job security uh, seems to be better than... Um, 
Jordan Clark's at the moment. I'm sorry, I forgot who I was talking about. Um, <laughs> but right. yeah, but you know, Clark being the sub really, really hurts you know your, the morale of owners because of the fact that you thought he was in your side, uh, thought he, he was in the side, and and obviously isn't firmly entrenched in the best twenty-two. So at three around three hundred k, I'd look at offloading him and and I'd probably downgrading him. But if you have a couple hundred k from another downgrade, you could just get up to a, a premium and, and just be done with the whole saga. Yeah, I mean, you look at guys like uh, Goulden and Chad Warner who have <laughs> cost more than Jordan Clark does now. You know, we were hoping we were hoping for a 70-plus average, which he delivered. He just has been kind of disappointing and missed a game. And, you know, if who knows if he's in that side. I'm a trade. Even if he gets named, or if he gets named next week, he's not, a, or this week, he's not a must trade for round six, but he's getting pretty close. If he's uh, the sub again, I'm... I'm Yeeting him into the sun, as Patch would say. We've got the other. We pretty much all of the Sydney rookies have hit a point where you could justifiably trade them. We were hoping Braden Campbell would fix his break even with a reasonable score around the fifty to sixty mark on the weekend. He didn't deliver that for us, Foz. He only delivered a thirty-nine. He lost fourteen grand, and his break even goes up to fifty-three percent. And it actually kind of makes it hard for him. Uh, to be a cash generator moving forward now. Um, this has really put a dent in his scoring potential. And, and it's clear that that 118 in round two against Adelaide seems to be the outlier. Yeah, so he's had a couple scores in the 50s and then obviously a 29 and a 39 to go with that 118. So just going off that trend, he's probably unlikely to hit his break even of 59. Oh, sorry, 53. Um I'm looking at moving him. He's only made about 60, 70K, so it's not really that ideal. Um, but out of him, Goulden and Warner, he's probably the most expendable one, obviously, because he's not scoring that well at this stage. Um, so, yeah, one to look at trading if you've got him. Yeah, if you can trade him down to a, a Lockie Jones, as you mentioned before, you're going to make about 105K, which isn't heaps, but I think your scoring output's going to increase on the field, and, and that's the important thing. Let's touch on the rest of this Swans crew, because Logan McDonald scored 15 on the weekend. I think if you own him, if you're one of the 8% of coaches that own him, you can downgrade him to a forward rookie. I don't think we're going to see much output from him from a super coach perspective moving forward. Chad Warner and Errol Goulden. Chad Warner averaging 82 for the year. Goulden averaging 97. But obviously, I think Warner's probably the more stable scorer of the two. Are we moving any of these guys on to a premium? Not just yet, I don't think. They're still scoring, for the most part, better than other rookies on their lines. Like, obviously, Goulden has the average of 96.6, but that's also heavily influenced by the two 130-plus scores in his first two weeks, but 74, 68, and 66 since then has been has been really, you know, quite steady. Um, obviously, James Jordan's around. Yeah, he's another rookie that he scored 76 on the weekend, but he did. he's coming off that 24 the week before. Um, and then Tom Powell has been increasing his scoring every week, essentially. Um, obviously, had the 101 a couple of weeks ago, but he's also not firmly entrenched in that midfield just yet. So... I'd say Goulden is one to hold whilst others are upgraded around him. If you've got Sam Berry, he's scoring pretty poorly as well. Um, and then Chad Warner obviously is averaging 82, scoring a bit better than other rookies um, in the forward line. Like you got James Rowe, who's every third game is a good game and the other two are pretty poor. Alec Waterman came out with a 27 on the weekend, didn't really do too many favours for his coaches who had just brought him in. Um, and then Scott obviously came, had a 61, scored pretty well, but hasn't really shown that this year. Tyler Brockman obviously got managed slash omitted this week. So they're two really safe rookie bets, um, both of them scoring pretty well for the most part, both of them relatively consistent, especially in comparison to the, um, the other rookies that are around them on their line. So I would try and upgrade around them. And then once, once their break-evens are no longer manageable, then offload them just because their point generation is still better than options surrounding or around their price. Yeah, look, I, I tend to agree. I think it depends who, what you're trying to do with the other trade. If you're bringing in, say, a Lachlan Jones for one of these guys, 
you think he's he's so far he's scored a couple of 60s you think he can match it and that allows you to get like a, a Logan McDonald or a um a Braden Campbell off the field in the forward line to a premium I'm not totally against it but I would like you prefer to move one of these underperforming rookies like a Berry or whatever before these guys and for me on a personal level it, it, it it's going to be the difference if I move Berry instead of Goulden I'm getting Andrew Brayshaw instead of Lockie Neal or Andrew Brayshaw instead of Jared Lyons. I've got to do the maths on that. I think I'm probably better off, like you said, actually keeping the uh, the better performing rookies. So that's something coaches need to consider. The important thing for me is we're getting we need to try and get some rookies off field as quickly as possible. And these guys, looking at the uh, trades this round so far, are clearly at the top of the agenda for super coaches out there. Other guys I want to trade. Foz, just before we move on to trade targets. Other guys I want to get rid of, jettison from my team if I'm a super coach. Paddy Dow, obvious. Same as the Jordan Clark situation. Got named as a sub. He's going to get dropped this week. Hasn't done anything. Hasn't scored and has lost you money. Abandon ship. Trade to a rookie. What do we do? And the same, you can say the same for, for Lloyd Meek, who I think uh, isn't getting back into that Fremantle side. But what do we do? with a guy like Matty Flynn from GWS. Huge negative break-even, scored really well for us in the first three rounds. Mummy has come back, and I don't know what he's done. I don't know what he's on. I don't know what he's putting into his body, but he's performing very well. Is he going to get back into this GWS side? Or if we can get to a premium somewhere else, do we do we jump off even though he's got plenty of cash to make? Yeah, I think if he's sitting at your R3... It's more a question of of whether you can um, hold him. Obviously, he's made over 100K, so he's one that you could offload and and use that money to upgrade elsewhere. Um, If he's at your R2 with, obviously, um, some people have Meek or Tracy um, as the R3, definitely you you need to look at moving him ASAP just because, unless he gets named, of course. If he gets named this week, then that's another week you can hold on to him. But if he's not named again because Mummy's just killing it, um, obviously, you said Meek is probably not going to come into that side for a while um, unless Sean Darcy or Rory Lobb go down with injury. Um, you've got to got to look at moving. But if he's at your R3, I, I'm going to hold just because I think he can come back into that side. Mumford's not going to you know, play the style of footy he's playing at the moment forever. He, he's not... Uh, like It's crazy to see him doing it now. It's a bit of a, a throwback to you know years gone past. But... Um, he's an old man now. He's you can't just keep doing what he's doing. So I, I'd say that Mummy will at some stage get rested. Flynn will come back in, play well, probably hold his spot. Kieran Briggs is another one that is, is playing um, in the reserve side at the moment for GWS. But I think Flynn's probably ahead of him. Um, so if you see your R three, you can probably afford to hold. The ideal situation for us is that we're able to hold Maddie Flynn. Uh, well. <laughs> in theory, through to the buys. So he's got the round 12 buy, which is quite a long way away. But let's assume Mummy stays in the team for a few weeks. You've got him at R3. My ideal situation is I can hold him through the buys. And when Brody Grundy and Max Gorn are missing in that, I think it's round 14 buy. And this is all, you know, nine weeks away. I'd love to have a situation where I can play Matty Flynn and he pumps out a 90 for me and goes into that, you know, best 18 scoring. But we're looking very far ahead I'm a hold, but I understand if people are getting worried and need to generate cash. Because if you're not playing, they're not that much good to us. Foz, you beautiful son of a gun. I want to talk about trade targets. We talk about who we're going to boot, who we hate, who we've had enough of, who's injured. I want to talk about who's good and who we want to bring in. Lockie Neal I touched on, Jared Lyons I touched on. The number one guy I'd be targeting if I didn't believe in voodoos and curses would be Sam Walsh at 568,000, break even 100. For the same reason I didn't start him in my starting team, I'm worried that if I select him, I will break him. And that's bad news for the Carlton Football Club because he is the best player at the Carlton Football Club. As a non uh, voodoo warrior, how do you feel about him? Is he someone that we can afford to let slip or is he a must have? He's scoring really well, isn't he? Obviously, coming off that 144 against Port Adelaide was one of the, the shining lights in that loss. Uh, only dipped below 100 once, and that was against Gold Coast with an 89. Um, 
yeah, scoring really well, averaging 116, almost 117 points a game, uh, break even of 100, and only 568k. Um, so definitely one to one to look at. He's going to be playing those midfield minutes for Carlton. Obviously, he's playing really well, but also the new rules and and the faster game style really suit him. Uh, and obviously, the 20 minute quarters as well suit the endurance, um, or the tank that he's got as well. So. There's plenty to like about um, about Sammy Walsh and, and the fact that he's scoring so well is just validating, um, I guess, everyone's selections at the start of the year. Um, definitely one to look at bringing in if you can afford him. Um, he's a little bit too expensive for me at this stage unless I, as, as I was talking before, get rid of a Chad Warner or an Errol Goulden. So one to watch and hopefully he, he for me, drops below that 100 and, and loses a bit of cash so I can get him next week. But um, yeah, definitely one to one to look at as, as an upgrade target. He's probably going to be a top 10 midfielder at the end of the year. Yeah, as you were talking there, I was, I was looking at the numbers and I've, I realized how ludicrous it is that I'm saying I would rather target Jared Lyons than him. He scored one more point this year. He's scoring uh, 0.1 points per minute more than him and he's 45 grand cheaper. He's uh, the same price as effectively as Travis Boak. He's cheaper than Guthrie, cheaper than Bond, cheaper than Clayton Oliver, scored more than all of them. He seems like a pretty good selection. One that I feel like I'm going to miss because, once again, I'm scared that I'll curse his career. Do you have anyone on your list that you're looking to target? Um, Clayton Oliver's one that he, I, I've already got, but he, he, I think if you don't have him, he's the one to look at, I guess. Um, a little bit more expensive, obviously um, 591k, but still sub 600 for for the ball magnet that he is, is... Is a really good deal. Um, break even of 101 points. Um, he should hit that. Obviously, got tagged a few weeks ago, which cost his scoring. And he's got a 67 that round, and that really dropped his price. But apart from that, he's been pretty pretty good. Had a 130 on the weekend, and and just seems to find the ball at will. Um, so he's the one to to bring in for me. That if you if you don't have him, he he'll be a top eight definitely um, by the end of the year. He just does a bit of everything. You can get him in at sixty-five grand cheaper than he was at the start of the year. Tackles a lot. Gets he takes marks, which is nice. Obviously, that handball ratio is still way higher than his kicks, but he seems to be balancing that part of his game a little bit more than previously. He keeps threatening to hit the scoreboard as well, which he hasn't done yet. But when he starts to do that, um, ooh, he's going to be a tasty prospect. I, I think. We've got to find a way to get this man into our team ASAP, and this is probably the cheapest he's going to be for for quite a while. Is there anyone else on that list of yours, Foz? Another one around that price is probably Marcus Bontempelli to look at. Obviously, another midfield king um, playing in a stacked Western Bulldogs lineup is never that attractive an option, but um, he's still scoring really well. Had 133 on the weekend and has dropped 33 K with a break even of 96. Um, yeah, kicks goals, as you said, it, it obviously adds to, your, adds to your points really well. He has dipped below 100 twice with a 92 in round one and an 82 in round three, but he has had, you know, two scores above 130, which means you're going to be riding a little bit of a roller coaster with him, but he's at that 590K price point, similar to Clayton Oliver, and he's scoring pretty similarly to him as well. So two really nice options there. Um, I'd look at probably one or the other. The, the one concern that you have is if you've got Jack McRae in your midfield already and you've also got Josh Dunkley, are you loading up on too many Bulldogs players at this stage then? Obviously, all three are scoring really well, but it's just a question mark as well with Adam Trelaw starting to score and, and find the balls. In that Bulldogs midfield, it's it's question marks over the longevity of, of how these blokes can keep scoring so many points in the same side. It, it, it would be a bit of a worry for me if you've already got a couple of those Doggies players. Yeah, that, that's a slight concern for me and probably pushes Bont further down the list. I guess what he's got going for him, while he, he does have a pretty high standard deviation, meaning his low scores and his high scores are pretty far apart. Champion data love this man and he impacts the games when it matters. He stands up and does the captain things, kicks the captain goals. So I think over the length of a season, he's going to be a great buy, but I agree for me. I'm avoiding with McRae. I'm happy just to not be too greedy, have McRae and Dunkley in my team, feeding me points. And at this stage, to be honest, I know 
they're not playing the same position, but it feels like Trelaw's ruined Caleb Daniel rather than anyone else, which is the most insane thing I've ever heard. It should never happen, but it seems to be the case. I'm, uh, I'll, I'll throw a couple names at you. We don't need to spend too much time on these guys. Nat Fife, he's got a break even of 92, priced at 598 grand. He's probably the cheapest he's, he's going to be for a while. He's sub 600K. His break even, which I have in front of me, is 92, as I said. Scored 125 on the weekend. Played forward from watching the game. Seemed to always be forward, but then always is just always around the ball. Kicked six behinds against your Hawks last week. What what happened? Oh, well, we're terrible. Um, but he's also a terrible kick for goal. So if you remember back to the, what was it, the 2014 grand final when he kicked, I think, four or five behinds as well, especially, and a couple out in the fulls. He's just never gotten better at kicking for kicking set shots. So, um, yeah, he. I mean, he's a dominant player. He's an absolute bull and and a really tough matchup in that Ford 50, which is why I think Justin Longmuir likes playing him there and giving those young midfielders a go um, around stoppages and, and further up the ground. But, um, you know, until he starts kicking those goals, it, it does hurt his scoring. He could have dropped, you know, a 180, 190 against Hawthorne and been a really massive score. But... Instead, he had to settle for a 133, which is absurd to think that he had that uh, with six behinds. Yeah, that's craziness. And a behind is like a ineffective disposal, right, for champion data. So he was probably losing points or not scoring points for those kicks, which is insane. He, My concern over him, he's a great average player and a great head-to-head player to have if you can have cover. But if you're going for total rank, I'm not sure. Um, he misses games, man. He's already missed one this year. He missed a few. I think he missed four games last year or three games last year. He's going to miss a couple more. And can you? do you want to use your 600 grand on that? It's fine if you've got a really solid M9, M8, whatever the bench cover is, the first bench spot in, in uh, at later on in the year. But unless you can guarantee me that my rookies are going to turn into that, I'm struggling to justify Nat Fife in my team. Yeah, I'd only really look at him late in the season, probably you know from around 15 onwards as uh, one of the more uh, towards the end of the upgrades after the buys. Um, try and bring him in and hope he can just you know keep scoring and, and stay on the field. But as you said, every year he seems to miss two or three games, which just hurts hurts the total points. Yeah, plus he's got way better teammates. David Mundy, the 37, 38, 45-year-old who's just in dominating form in 400 teams. So he must have about 399 relatives. David Mundy playing super coach. And then at far cheaper, at 120 grand cheaper, Andrew Brayshaw, 482K, obviously had an awful, awful game against the Blues and then an awful game against the Hawks. I can't actually remember what happened that game. I'm assuming he got tagged or was he just terrible? Uh, just wasn't that flash. I don't think we tagged him from memory. Uh, he might have been run with... Uh, James Warple, I think, ran with him around stoppages. That seems to be the role that he's playing nowadays is is that sort of tagger. Uh, um, but I don't think he was paid any real attention um, like he was against the Blues. But just, yeah, it wasn't that effective, I don't think. Hmm. But he did pump out a 117. He's had three scores... 117 plus, a 117, a 132, and a 125, and then two scores, 66 or less, 66 to 48. So he's a real roller coaster. If you think for the rest of the season that he can, and I think AJ said this on Twitter, shout out to AJ. Let me find his uh, Twitter tag so we can all pay credit to him. Adrian Johnson, Adrian Adrian Nine Johnson Six said this on Twitter. If you think he can be a top. 10 averaging midfielder from this point out. Doesn't matter about the first four or five games. From here on out, then he's probably a good buy. Do we think he can be a top well, top 10 averaging midfielder from here on out? I don't. I just... There, there are just blokes who are sort of, I guess, scoring better. The thing is, to, just to be a top 10 averaging midfielder, you have to average 115. Um, and... He probably can get... Which he's doing if you ignore his bad games. Yeah, which he's doing if you ignore his bad games. But as you said, you've got to... You can't just take all the good scores and expect him to keep scoring good scores. He's going to have some bad games in there. He's, he's obviously playing a really important role for Fremantle, so he's going to cop some attention throughout the year. Um, but it may, at the moment, Zach Merritt is the 11th 
highest scoring midfielder um, at a hundred, an average of 109. Do we think he's going to be a better pick than Zach Merritt? I don't. Um, there's nah. Yeah, you got to take Even the good with the bad with it. Cheaper. Yeah, I, I just think yeah. if you're looking for a value selection, he's a good a good value pick. Um, but I don't think he's going to get top ten, unfortunately. Yeah. No, I I agree. And you mentioned Zach Merritt. I think he's a obviously a far better buy. I started him and I've been really disappointed with his year and his lowest score was a 91. Every other score has been over 100. So that just goes to show how, how good he's been and he's not even in the top 10. So 580K, he's another one we can target. 36K cheaper, break even 108. Would probably make that this week and against, uh, who are they playing? Collingwood, who have got a pretty uh, depleted midfield at the moment. So... He's another target. Let's move out of the midfield, though. We've got a couple of forwards on on our list. One bloke that you flagged who was a certain starter before he got a couple of preseason injuries. That's still side bottom. Yeah, I remember running with him in my preseason side. Um, obviously, dipped out of that because of his injury. But since returning, he hasn't scored that well. He's got a break-even of 116 and his price just under 500K, um, which is... A lot cheaper. I think he started at 588 from memory. Um, he may well keep dipping in price and is, is one to watch. Um, but having that forward line um, option or, or dual position um, makes him a little bit more attractive. Um, but he's still yet to hit the ton. He's had scores of 87, 51, 79, and 93. So it's gotten a little bit better, but I, I'd still wait and, and hope that he can get, if he can get to 450. And then you know start scoring a bit better. That'd be really attractive. But um, I guess you're also talking about a forward line which is, has Sam Reid as the seventh highest scoring forward this year. So I guess anything can happen. Yes, anything can happen. Uh, the only thing I'll say in defensive steel side bottom as a selection purely for this week, not for season long. I have the Anzac game. He plays Essendon. He averages 102 against Essendon across his career. I'd expect him to pump out at his first ton at the G this weekend. Whether that justifies the selection or not, I don't know. Probably doesn't. One to watch. Similar in a similar boat to, to Dane Zorko, who's doing exactly the same thing, but has played, you know, one extra game, basically. Same price, questionable, up and down. Ford lines of mess, as you said. <laughs> Did you say Sam reads the top ten in a top ten form? Yeah, he's top, he's seventh. So it's just absurd to think, isn't what? it, that he's actually scoring? I can guarantee you no one started with him as well. He would have been in zero teams at the start of the year. <laughs> he's he's in six hundred and thirty six teams as we record. Maybe that'll increase. That's insane. And he's had three sub seventy five scores. What the hell? Oh my god! Twenty twenty one truly is the darkest timeline. Speaking of dark timelines, Jeremy Cameron, 388K. He's back, baby. He's ready to go. He was a good forward once. Is he still a good forward? I reckon in that Geelong side, he'll play a very attractive role. Um, he's going to play high center half forward. Um, he's not going to, you know, Tom Hawkins is obviously a bit older and, you know, not as athletic and he's probably going to sit, you know, deep home, um, and allow Jeremy Cameron up the ground. He might even push out onto a wing, which would be a scary sight. Um, I really like him, but I obviously want to see him play with his new team and see how he goes before bringing him in. But at 384K, uh, 388K, sorry, um, not a bad little pod if you get onto him early. I reckon he'll score, you know, probably average 90 for the year, my guess. Yeah, yeah, one, one to watch for sure. I think, hey, if Tex Walker can be a top three forward, Jeremy Cameron can be a top five forward. <laughs> On average, he won't be in total points, obviously. Let's take a look at defense because we had a few injuries back there. There's three names on our list, and I'm actually going to chuck another one on there as we speak. And that we'll start with that one because you mentioned him pre-podcast. Alex Witherden, he played his first game for the West Coast, scored 133 playing that uh, kick out role 456k defender he's doing what i thought he would do next year this year can he keep doing it foz well he's only had the one game of doing it so i don't know by what your definition definition of him doing it really is um well by i let me did clarify it. i mean 
he did it and he had the role and yeah. that's what I foresee as him him doing in the future. Yeah, okay, uh, that's fair enough. But I didn't think he'd get into the team this yeah. year. Yeah, Adam Simpson also said that he'd be taking the kickouts with Shannon Hearn out, so that'd be good for your, quote, dream team or whatever, unquote. <laughs> so um, no love for us Shout out to coaches, all the real dream team players. Yes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he did. He had exactly that role of, of taking the kickouts and, and playing as that, uh, I guess... Um, general down back. Shannon Hearn's obviously probably going to miss another two to three weeks. They might be a little conservative with him just because he's an old man and he's got old man muscles um, and has a history of calf <laughs> issues. So they might try and bring him back slowly, build up a bit of fitness. Um, and if Witherden's playing that role and playing it pretty well, I can't imagine them um, rushing Shannon Hearn back, especially if they're winning games. Um, so yeah, he's probably got a few weeks to lock himself into that West Coast side and, and try and you know make it hard for them to remove him. Um, but as you said, I'd say he's probably more a, a selection for next year than this year, to be honest. Um, I don't want to spend 450K on a bloke who's just been brought in round five um, and might get dropped when the 33-year-old, 34-year-old Shannon Hearn comes back. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally agree. Totally agree. I think to the... 0.7% of coaches that have ch- traded him in. I think we need to reassess that. Uh, Tom Stewart, I think he's probably the top of people's lists. He's the most traded in forward this week outside of rookies. Scored a massive, uh, what did he have, 152 on the weekend. First time he's ever had 30 disposals, which was crazy to me. 536K, breaking to 58. He's going to end up hitting about 550, 560K. If you want him, this is the week to get him. But I think there's some value picks that, slightly intriguing as Foz. Yeah, and I think Tom Stewart's the safe bet. He's always been an uber-consistent player, um, but he's a little bit more expensive at 536. Um, I really like Jack Crisp. I really liked him at the start of the year, and I really like him now, especially with Jeremy Howe out and the a number of midfielders out for Collingwood. Um, he can play off that half-back line, but he also can play on the ball. And he's had a bit of that role of a bit of both roles throughout this season so far hasn't scored particularly well, um, but is chugging along nicely with an average of 93 from memory. If I can get up his stats, that'd be nice. Um, but yeah, 496k, a bit cheaper, um, has the potential to just yeah, 93 points. Awesome, I got that right. Um, but yeah, has the potential to go big. He has a pretty high ceiling as we've seen in the past, but. I think that midfield role is relatively attractive for him. Um, he sort of suits the game or the, the pace of the game that's happening now. So he's had three scores in the 80s, which is not ideal, but I'm hoping that he can find another gear and, and probably pump out a 100 average from here on out, especially with how missing over the next four weeks. Yeah, I think he's a great option. Break even of 118, so maybe you can wait a week. Another guy that I expect to play a huge game this weekend in the uh, Anzac Day match. I think he's a, a really nice buy, if not this week, next week. And I agree. I think the role's there for him and he just needs to to seize it. And I think his scoring so far this year isn't reflective of him as a super coach option, which could be said of the same, of the same, of the, which could also be said of Jake Lever, who I want to talk about, who you flagged, who I didn't even fathomed thinking about Jake Lever, but he's break even 65, he's 472k and he's dominating a, a super coach this year. Yeah, I don't really understand it either. Obviously, he plays that intercept role uh, for Melbourne. Him and Stephen May are, are, are two really good um, interceptors of the ball and obviously playing in the same side makes it hard for, for teams to enter the ball into the forward 50. I had a 53 against St Kilda in round two, but apart from that, hasn't dropped below 104 um, you know, four one oh four plus scores is really really nice, especially in your defensive line, um, which sets him at what is it the seventh defender for total points, which is which is pretty crazy to me. Not one that I thought That's I'd be insane. talking about this year, but break even in the sixty five is going to jump in price again. Um, only price at four seventy two, so he's going to make a fair bit of cash. Um, but do you see him as a a top six, top ten defender, Fleck? Oh, look, my gut says no, but my gut says that about Taylor Walker as a forward and 
I just, I really don't know where the points are coming from. He must be super efficient. I don't have his stats in front of me, but his numbers, the numbers that are on the super coach site, a lot, I like, are not high. They're good. He kicks a lot. They've just got to be going at target 100% of the time, and that's got to be where the points come from. He gets a lot of marks. I don't, I don't have enough authority. I didn't expect Melbourne to be five and zero. I didn't expect. I thought Stevie May out this week would mean he'd score shit. He scored one hundred and seven. I have no idea, and I can't recommend him, other than he has scored pretty damn well this year, Foz. Yeah, I don't understand this game anymore. No, I'm completely me. lost. I'm, I'm too old. I'm too old. Lachlan Scholl's another one. I'll throw his name up there. Who? backed up his 160 with a with a 103. So there's some defenders. Foz, we're running way over time, so we're going to run through. I'm just going to list players. You tell me if uh, they're on your radar for the next couple of weeks. Tom Mitchell? Wait and see. He's scoring poorly despite getting a lot of the ball. Um, he's not that damaging, not that effective. Well, he's effective, but he just handballs it to someone else and they're more damaging. So, yeah, I don't really know. Jake Lloyd. Yeah, wait and see again. Like scoring pretty well. Obviously, you're paying a premium for him and he's doing okay, but just under 600K, it's pretty expensive to bring in for a 100-point average, I think. They're probably slightly cheaper price uh, players out there. Stephen May should drop as far as 350K when he's back from injury. Get him in. Uh, was a very good forward uh, defender last year. Yeah. Get him Get in, him in when, he's, when he's dropped, when he's... Bottomed out, he's one to have. Dane Zorko, up and down yo-yo season so far. Yeah, and, and I think that can be attributed to the number of frees against or that have gone, you know, at the, the two weeks that he scored poorly, um, he's given away sort of seven or eight free kicks each game, which really hurts his score. It's like, I think it's minus four per free kick against. It's so frustrating. Um, so I think as a potential owner, I want to see him clean that behavior up a little bit. Um, I know you own him, Lek. How's that? You're having fun with that? No, no, it's not fun at all. And he makes just dumb decisions. And it's always at bad points in the game. And it's more than four points, I can tell you that. It's it's He, he has cost me a lot this year. Uh, Travis Boak. Bit of a pod selection. Came out and started the season really well. Has tapered off a little bit, but... Um, He's probably still going to be a top 15 midfielder, I'd say, at a guess. He's just chugging, just chugging along. And Callum Mills, everyone's favorite preseason selection, has dropped quite significantly in price. Yeah, he's another one where I don't really understand his role. Um, obviously, he's gone through the middle a fair bit. Um, with Dane Rampy out, we saw him a little bit more in the back line. I think it's sort of a play that he's a bit like Isaac Heaney, where um, Longmire will just throw him around a bit. Um, just filling gaps and filling holes. And I don't love that from a super coach perspective. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I feel the same. All right, before we finish things, let's go to the rookie corner. Do you want to run us through the rookies that are on the bubble if you have that sheet up in front I certainly of you? certainly do. Lockie Jones, obviously we've talked about him a little bit with a uh, break-even of negative 48. Two scores in the 60s. Expected to jump about 50K this week. It's probably the one to get in. Um <laughs> Hopefully, Tom Highmore comes back this week. Obviously, got dropped for some reason, had two good scores, and is projected to make 60K on his return. I, I don't know. Scored over 100 in the VFL too. Yeah. He played, apparently played really well as well. I didn't watch the game, but I've had people say that he had a, a, a really nice game against Richmond. So, especially with St. Kilda losing by 84 points, I think it was, to the Tigers. Um Hopefully he's one of the one of the ins this week as they try and correct that. Um, Bo McCreary for Collingwood is playing has played a couple games once again on the bubble negative break a break even in negative forty five. Um, I don't really know what his job security is like. Um, he's playing a couple games, but it was also the sub one week, so um, I'd probably look elsewhere. Um, Ryan Mansell for Richmond once again. Don't know what his job security is like. I don't think. He'll stay in that side for very long. Um, negative uh, yeah, he's, 33. Yeah, he's one I'm probably avoiding. Yeah, I'd, I'd say the same. Um, Louis Young. Louis Young? Louis Young? Ne- uh, Louis Young. The other Young. The other Young, yeah. so From the Bulldogs. Yeah, 198K. 
defender, scores of 80 and 58. Probably a little bit too expensive. I'd rather Lockie Jones around, you know, 60K cheaper. Um, but another one to look at if you've already got Lockie Jones. Um, Jackson Pryor, a bad score of 23 and a good score of 65. Probably not going to make you a ton of cash, but he's also another defender. Um, don't know what his job security is like. Connor Stone for GWS. Um, once again, if happy to avoid him. Yeah, they're all <laughs> sort of down this list. Him. They're all getting a bit iffy. Tom Campbell came in late for North Melbourne a couple of weeks ago and scored 21 and then backed it up with a 41. So his break even's already 29. So I just don't, don't <laughs> touch him with a barge pole. And then our he's, favorite. He's projected to go up five grand. <sighs> Hopeless. <laughs> Tommy Campbell. He's in their purity to f- <laughs> Tom Goldstein owners. <laughs> and then we got Josh Treacy. At 102k with 35 and 16, so once again, don't touch him. His break even's already nine, and he's 102k. So, yeah, I don't know. We we love the idea of Josh Tracy at the start of the year, and then suddenly he's just he's nowhere to be seen. Don't bring him in. It's a waste of a trade. You're not going to generate any cash. No, he's he's definitely not a trade. And Foz, it's been a a wonderful time talking Supercoach with you. You've been brilliant. We've gone over time and that's the way I like to do the podcast these days. Absolutely. (laughs) Just talk shit for as long as possible until someone tells me to stop. And no one's told you to stop, so just let's keep going. Two-hour podcast. Bring it back. I'm getting getting the door banged on. I've got to leave. I've got stuff. I've got a basketball game I'm running late for. Life is getting in the way, but this will be up later tonight. Foz, thank you very much for joining me. It was an absolute pleasure, mate. Thanks for having me. I love coming on here. So happy to chat. That's all right. Where can people find you, Foz? Twitter is probably the best place. Matt Forrest twenty nine is my um is my Twitter handle. Otherwise, yeah, see me in the panic room. Yeah, and a shout out to your uh, inner sanctum stuff that you're doing. It's uh, very exciting, very very yeah, exciting just... to see you uh, kicking goals. Yeah. So uh, just yeah. Doing a little bit of riding there, just doing a little bit of extra super coach on the side, just because you guys don't pay me enough. So, um, <laughs> not that they pay me enough either, but it makes a difference. <laughs> I'd love to. Maybe we should. Uh, it's not a very good business model. This one, we make no money, and we do a lot of t- spend a lot of time doing it. Hey, and that's why people maybe there's love a better us. way. People love us for that. <laughs> Thank you very much, mate. We had a pleasure. I mean, it was my pleasure. It was my pleasure. <laughs> we too. had a ball. It was both of our pleasures.